Hello, I'm Allison Charney, and this is Preformance's Season of Hope. Together with some of today's most sought-after classical musicians, I plan to explore the theme of hope through the music that we make. As always at Preformances, you can count on our signature ungoogleable insights into the music that we make, and we also hope to uncover the answer to an essential question. If classical musicians are making music, but there's nobody there to hear it, have they made the music? My answer is not without you, our audience. So rest assured, you play a critical role in the experience we're going to share together. I am delighted to welcome my special guest, pianist, Benjamin Loeb, to the program. Welcome, Ben. Thanks for having me. So, Ben, I'm asking all of my guests to talk a little bit about how uh, they know me, how they know about performances. I have a feeling you're oh. going to be the one who goes back the longest. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know who you have on, but we met in college. We both we both worked with Louise Voskirchen. We both studied with her, and she was she was our mentor. And um, I did a lot of chamber music, and she, uh, you know, recommended that we play together. Uh, I would not use the verb recommended. Really? Yeah, I, I would say that she forced me to go oh. ask you if you would play with me. Oh, well, she recommended to me. <laughs> <laughs> I was scared of you, so she, forced, she told me I had to ask you. When really I was the one that should have been scared. <laughs> Which she knew all along, yeah. Uh, exactly. And that started, yeah. that, how long ago was that? 34 years ago, 30, something like that. Yeah. Good yeah. Lord. Yeah, yeah. And this is the very first time I can guarantee that we have made music together virtually. Let's talk about the premise of performances. You have been a part of performances from the very beginning. Um, and in the past, in the 11 seasons that performances has existed, performances has been really about several things, but one of them was a place for professional classical musicians at the very top of their field to try something out before they had to play it somewhere else. Now that um, no professional classical musician at the top of their field has any pressing plans to perform anywhere publicly, the mission has to change a little bit. And the shift now, I'm calling this performances season of hope. And the way I'm thinking about that word hope is in a lot of different, in a lot of different ways. And one of them is to have people play a piece, for example, that they hope to perform in the future, or maybe think of hope in terms of want or wish. And what about a piece that you always wished you could have played, that you wish you could have performed, that you had always meant to learn, that you wish somebody had hired you to do, you just hadn't done it. So what I'm hoping in this series now, Performance a Season of Hope, is that the artists will perform things that they hope they will play in the future, that they wish they had played in the past, and in so doing, offer the audience a chance to hear their beautiful music making and also to share for themselves a sense of hope during these days where hope is a hard commodity to come by. So that's the plan. So today, you are gonna play four pieces 
for us, two with me and two by yourself. Uh, let's talk first about the Joplin. Can you tell us just a little bit about this piece? The Gladiolus rag is one of Joplin's more mature rags. He wrote it later in his life. Um, and uh, what I find fascinating about Joplin in particular is how he really straddles the line between the popular and the classical. He was trained uh, by a German pianist when he was a teenager uh, in Texarkana, Texas. So he had a certain amount of classical training. He stopped training when he was 14 or 15, kind of hit the road and go play in, in bands. But he had that understanding of, of classical structure, of uh, how to play the instrument um, with a certain point of training. And I think more, most importantly is he had this ambition to write music that was not just dance music or not just entertainment. You can hear that in his compositions. And let me ask you, Ben, because at performances, we always like to talk about our personal experience with the piece. Is there a particular challenge that you find when playing this piece? Is there a particular reason that you chose it? Yeah, so it, both, actually. Um, I think back about when I learned the piece and I must have been about 12 or so. Uh, I got a book of Joplin and I, you know, this was when uh, the entertainer, the, the sting came out and learned the Maple Leaf Rag, which was really challenging. And then I worked my way through the book and this was more towards the end. And I was really fascinated by the, really excited by the harmonic complexity. And I was especially interested because there was a double flat and I had never played a double flat. And it was a... Let's just take one second and explain what that means. So... Um, if you picture a note on a musical staff, it's just the note by itself, a hole over a line or a, a black dot over a line. And then if there's a little B next to it, that means that you don't play that note. So if it's a B flat, you don't play the note B on the piano. You play a half a step below that. You flatten it to B flat. So a double flat means that you take another half step down. So you would play B, B flat, be double flat, which you could spell musically as A, but that wouldn't be, that's not how the composer wants you to feel it. He wants you to feel it as a B flat and then flat again. I remember, you know, whenever we would go to relatives' house or they'd come to our house, invariably somebody would start playing the piano. My dad plays piano, so he, and he liked playing popular tunes. At my cousin's house, she had a you know, they have the formal living room where we would just kind of sit and there would be a piano there and, and often I would play and I and my cousin played and I remember that this was her favorite rag. Um, the Gladiolus rag was, was her favorite. And I, I mean, I just love this rag. I think it's such a great one. So let's it, hear it. Let's hear it. Here is Benjamin Loeb playing Scott Joplin's Gladiolus rag.
So now Ben and I are going to make some music together, but in this day and age, I know people are seeing a lot of ensemble music on Zoom um, that looks just as spontaneous as can be. However, there is no spontaneous music making together these days um, because of the latency issues, because there is a lag in the sound between what you hear and what the person hears in their house, you simply cannot make sound at the exact same time. You can try that on your own. If you're on a Zoom call with a friend, you can count one, two, three, and you can actually ask them to come in and join you at four and just keep counting to 10 and see if you're saying the same thing at the same time and you will realize that you are not. And even that little bit of delay makes it impossible to make music together. So there is a lot of backing and forthing and making music with the other person in your ear and trying to fit to that and then going back and forth and back and forth until you feel that the ensemble is just perfect. So that in and of itself is a giant challenge for anybody making music together these days. This first piece that we're gonna do is Over the Rainbow. 
by Harold Arlen. And um, for me, I mean, certainly this piece is all about hope, right? So it really fits this theme. I wanted to do it before I thought about the theme of my series. Um, it just struck me. I don't know. I, I so looked forward to The Wizard of Oz when it came on TV once a year when I was a kid. And I watched it with my dad and my dad was a huge fan of Judy Garland and he had me watch all of her movies. And I think that there is something so comforting to me about this piece of music. And I suppose a challenge of it is to make it feel comforting to people listening. Although the overall challenge in any music making again right now is just trying to get it together. I mean, I have a different I suppose I've got a different experience with the, with the music and you didn't sit with my dad and watch it as a kid. Not not more than six or seven times. <laughs> we don't go that far back. No, we don't. Um, no, you know, I I was I've been thinking a, a little bit about about this. There are a lot of operas where at the beginning of the opera, the the heroine says, "Oh, I wish I could be someplace else." You know, I, there's it'd be so much nicer someplace else, and invariably they die or you know <laughs> whatever. And and the, and the message of, of Wizard of Oz is that there's no place like home. You know, here she wants to go someplace else. She gets sucked up in some tornado, or or gets knocked out by a tornado and has a dream of this magical yet completely frightening other world and then comes to the conclusion, you know what? Kansas is not so bad after all. <laughs> so you gotta watch what you hope for. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, watch what you hope for. Ben and I are gonna do for you Arlen's Over the Rainbow and um, it's not spontaneous.
out to me that we did not mention that the lyricist for that piece, Over the Rainbow, is Yip Harburg. And I actually think that's a good segue to the next piece we're going to do together, which is a piece called My Ship, written by Kurt Weil, and the lyrics were written by Ira Gershwin. So he didn't just hang out with his brother. Um, you know, there's a funny story about Rodgers and Hammerstein, apparently, um, so Richard Rogers was the composer of the two of them and Oscar Hammerstein, the lyricist. And um, Rogers got much more of the credit and much more, although I suppose you think of them as Rogers and Hammerstein together, but still the composer is thought of as the, the force. And apparently Mrs. Hammerstein was having lunch and she overheard somebody speaking about the great talent of Richard Rogers, in particular in the song, Some Enchanted Evening. And she walked over to the other table and said, without Oscar, it would have just been ya-da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't want to forget Yip Harburg or Ira Gershwin. No, well, Ira, Ira needed to do this because his brother had passed away at this point. He, he needed, needed another partner, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. He would have figured out a way to perform virtually as well. Yeah. Uh, so this piece, what do you think? What, is there a challenging part of it for you, again, other than this crazy way of making music now? I, I think of him as being really quirky. And that's what I really love about it, is, is how he goes from these real normal, predictable patterns, harmonic, rhythmic, whatever. And then he throws in some little curveball. Um, and fi finding the way to make his music sound kind of Broadway-esque without being overly quirky, I find is a bit of a challenge. Although you are so quirky, <laughs> it's really right up your alley. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> The, to me, to me, this particular piece, it's it it um, it it feels like it shouldn't be quirky. So I find myself downplaying the the weird 
sometimes the quirky uh, cadences, how it resolves. It's I actually think Gershwin captured a quirky sense of this too, because it's not just a straightforward right. love song. Uh, the words are actually pretty complex. Oh yeah, definitely. So maybe complex and quirky go together. Mm -hmm. They certainly do in you, Ben Loeb. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Ben and I are delighted to do for you, My Ship. to end today's episode with Ben Loeb playing solo piano again. He's going to play Nazare's Vincha Branchinia. Is that right? Um, yeah. Okay. Pronunciation's <laughs> close enough. I would like to point out that Ben, you performed this, you preformed this piece back in the old days of preformances, season 11 at Merkin Hall. Yeah. As you were getting ready, you actually were preparing it to perform. So this is a very rare opportunity for the performances audience to have heard you perform it. And now we're gonna hear you perform it. And we're actually hearing a performance that you've just recently done for public radio. And now here I am taking this very same performance and offering it to the performances audience. That's right. Ever expanding. All right, with no further delay, Ben Lope will play this fabulous piece. I'm not going to butcher the title of it again by Nazare.
thank you so much for being a part of Preformance's Season of Hope. Thanks for having me. It's always a delight. I wish it we could is. be together in person. Soon. We hope. We hope. We hope. Yes. Next year in Plano. Per person. Next year in, in per person. Next year in person. <laughs> yes. It is at this point in each and every performances that my heart is overfilling with gratitude. I'd like to thank our guest artists. I'd like to thank our charitable partner, the Basser Center at the University of Pennsylvania for their miraculous and life-saving cancer research. I'd like to thank major donors to the 11th season of Preformances for enabling this to happen. Our maestros, Mindy and Jonathan Gray, Sally Ann and Irvin Epstein, and the Gray Foundation. Our collaborators, Serena and John Moon, and Grace and Guy Shannon, and our artiste donors, Lisa and Daniel Charney, Audrey and Greg David, Judith and Anthony Evnen, Maria and Jerome Markowitz, and Kimberly and Andrew Moses. I'd like to thank our producer, editor, and engineer, Evan Epstein, and I'd like to thank you, our performances audience. Without you, our music would not be heard. We are so grateful that you are here to experience performances season of hope. If you'd like to find out more and learn how you can contribute to future programming, please visit us at www.preformances.org. I close every performances the same way, along with the performances official collaborative pianist, Craig Ketter, we perform Richard Strauss's Zu Eignung, a piece filled with dunk, with thanks, with dedication, and with hope. I'm Alison Charney. Habe Dank. Don't.